Gojo, bitch. Go Tigers. Thanks for tuning that there, Sports Antelope. Uh, we got a good week coming along, baby. We got the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, your boy Danny Bell's going to be talking about a lot of things. He's going to have all them guests on there. And, you know, uh, Coach O, been doing a lot of work lately, baby. We got a new coordinator. We, we got some new position coaches, everything coming along. We're going to have a good season, baby. Go Tigers. And we got that Super Bowl coming up, baby. You know, it's um, kind of going to remind me, you know, uh, Danny Bell's going to be talking about that battle midway, that decisive battle, World War II. Well, you know, uh, we, we, we turned the tides, no pun intended, in the, uh, in the naval war. And, uh, you know, we, we became victorious. We, we kicked ass, baby. But, uh, you know, part of that reason was we had them, you know, them torpedo boats, baby. They was able to sink some of them Japanese carriers, even though them carriers had them, uh, them, them really good planes, them zeros. You know, they were, they were very maneuverable, baby. The, Jap- the zero was a, was a very good plane. It was, uh, it could turn on a dime, baby. And that's kind of what helped them, uh, them, them British over there in, in Germany, they, they, you know, they had them, them Spitfires, baby, and they was more, more maneuverable than, than um, them German measurements, baby. But anyway, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to compare Mahomes to one of them zeros because they, they was kind of delicate where he ain't, baby. And, you know, he got long range. I mean, he's like a bomber and a fighter, baby, and a ground attack, you know. Whereas Brady, you know, he still got an arm, but uh, he more like a howitzer, you know, baby. He can move around a little bit, but he more stationary. And, uh, you know, but, I mean, Coach O, I mean, uh, the war analogies are kind of, you know, I mean, look, I mean, real war is different than no no, no movies and no no football or nothing like that, you know. I mean, Coach O got a lot of gratitude for them people that went out there and did all that fighting, baby, especially them some bitches that was out there in, uh, out there in, the, in the South Pacific, baby, the Marines out there in them hellish conditions, you know. I mean, that, that was tough, baby, but, I mean, they had grit just like me because I'm Coach O, bitch, and we coming, baby. And, uh, you know, like I said, bad pun and all that about turning the tide, you know. I mean, I think that this game going to be turning the tide where, uh, you know, the, your boy Mahomes going to be more ascendant than uh, than, than Brady. He's probably going to go out after this game maybe. I mean, he's still got a little bit left, but, uh, you know, it's going to be hard and harder to get to that Super Bowl and win it, baby. But I think Mahomes got what it takes. And, uh, you know, I'm Coach O, bitch. Go Tigers. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 34, the Midway Super Bowl. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Be sure and follow us on Instagram. We're gaining more steam there, at the Sports Antidote. Be sure and follow Bro Exotic, at Bro Exotic, B-R-E-A-U-X. Tommy Bench is on there as well. And be sure and follow me, at Danny underscore Belts, with a Z. Rate, subscribe, and review. Let's get that out the way now. What a loaded Loaded show. It's been a while since we've had everybody on L.A. Burns return to talk about the Super Bowl. And then Bro Exotic comes on to talk about his investments in a new thing called Woken Token, amongst other things. Then Tommy Bench batting clean up big at the end. AOC, lying bitch. We'll be talking about that. Sorry, you don't like it? Plenty of podcasts out there. The world needs bartenders. Two weeks with pay. Talking about COVID with him as well and the carnivore diet. What else we got here? Ron DeSantis is my hero. Uh, we'll be talking about, real quick, the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, which will be setting up nicely for White Bitch of the Week. Yes, that's right. 
I'll be talking about that, which is going to be great. DeSantis should run for president. I love how he just bases the media. I love non-housebroken Republicans. That's why I bet, that's why I voted for the Trumpster. I can't stand the Republican Party. The Republican Party didn't like him, so I like him. The Republican Party doesn't like DeSantis. Best governor in the, in the United States. If you don't like it, find another podcast. Coach O came on with a good one right there. Coach, more of the uh, historian these days, actually. Coach O is a, a bevy of knowledge. Just knows something about everything. Interesting guy. You should get to know him. I like him a lot. Looking forward to having everybody on the show. Looking forward to banging this one out as we'll be talking about Midway, as Coach said, and then we'll get into the Super Bowl. We have a great white bitch of the week. Oh, man, this one is really good. I can't wait to talk to Bro Exotic about Woke and Token. God knows what else he brings to the table. Interesting new guest if you haven't heard the previous episodes, but it looks like we had the same listeners as last week, and we gained a few more, so this is great. If you are not woke, you can still be middle left and endure this show, but if you are super, super woke, this is not for you, but if you are just over all of the media misinformation, oh, and we finally care about a dead police officer. Holy shit. We fi- Now Chuck Schumer gets up there and puts his glasses down. He doesn't even use those damn things and talks about, oh, because of the insurrection and oh, the, the rioters. Yes, yes, yes. We don't talk about the $1.4 billion in damage that happened to public and private property since April 1st. But who cares? Because that narrative sucks. But we finally care about a fallen police officer. Well, great. Unbelievable. Can't believe this. I thought this was a sports podcast. Well, I don't know. Speaking of sports, though, I have the best prop bet ever for the Super Bowl, which will be blasting the Molly music for that one. We got a lot coming your way. Midway. Then the Super Bowl. Let's talk about Midway. What an amazing war. Six months after the attack on Pearl Harbor and one month after the Battle of Coral Sea, Nimitz, one of the best admirals we've ever had, went against Isaruku Yamatoku. One of the best naval minds of all times for Japan. This were the, these were the two admirals that really went heads up. Craig Simmons, probably one of the biggest naval historians of all times, said this was the most controversial and consequential, both naval battles in the history of modern warfare. Major quote right there. And he's right. I understand the controversy in it, but I also understand the consequences from it. Because had this war gone the other way, we would be in serious trouble. Much similar to the beaches at Normandy and D-Day, how important that was to defeating the real Nazis, not people that voted for Trump, like me, not a Nazi, normal guy. You're a Nazi, I'll fight you. And probably kick the shit out of you, as long as you're not over 6'2", 225. That's my limit. After that, size becomes a problem with Danny Belts. Anyway. Let's get into what we're talking about here as I continue to just can't, can't help it. I just go all over the place with the politics. But anyway, so this war was huge and the timing of it was even more huge because this is when the Japs had, excuse me, the Japanese had a massive amount of momentum uh, even after the Doolittle affair where we dropped some bombs on them. That was just a pinprick. This one was going to be huge. It would basically decide who would be the landlord of the South Pacific. And whoever controlled that area would basically be controlling everything. And it came down to so many different aspects of war. Let's just get into, try to sink your teeth into, or wrap your mind around what's happening here. So you have 
aircraft carriers. This would be the first war where this the aircraft carriers were massive. We only had, they each had four, and it's not exactly something you could just make. Aircraft carriers protected by battleships and destroyers, protected by fighter planes, carried on these planes as well as bombers. So while the aircraft carriers are defending themselves versus spy planes and bombers, they're also defending themselves versus submarines. You have warfare going on underneath the water, on the water, and in the air. Dogfights with fighter planes, all of that, unbelievable. And these kids had so much nuts. You had to grow up real quick as a 7 18-year-old kid going over there to fight in that war. Have you seen the movie Midway? It is spectacular, both of them. But the new one especially I thought was great. These dudes are dive-bombing straight down while they're getting fired at by 50 cal. Just, I mean, just getting blasted out the air, just going all the way down like 100 feet, then dropping the bomb if they hadn't died yet. Just unbelievable, as Coach O said, the, the, the grit and the nuts and the metal that these kids had, and they had to grow up real quick. Unlike today's generation, who's a bunch of worthless cucks? Emphasis on worthless. Cucks is implied. What made this war especially interesting, as I said it would de- decide who would be the landlord, was the fact that the United States should not have won this. And as a matter of fact, Craig Timmons, as we talked about the naval historian, as well as other respected historians say, if they replay this battle 10 times over, the Americans lose 80% of the time. Eight out of 10 times, they say the Japanese would win. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. They know more about this than I. So I'll just have to take their word for it. But I do know this. The Japanese had way more manpower, fact, better technology, fact, particularly with their naval Not so much with the Zero or their bombers, but their sailors were superior to ours. They were older, way more well-trained, way more disciplined, didn't panic under fire, and they were way more willing to give up their lives. And that's a big statement for me, as I don't give any disrespect to these kids going to fight in that that not ridiculous war, a very meaningful war. What I'm saying is that these... From the kamikazes to basically suicide bombers, these guys were just so mind brainwashed towards their assignment for the Imperial Empire. And they were under great management as well. Some of the best naval admirals ever on the Japanese side. The United States had no business winning this one. That's not true. It is true. <laughs> they were outmanned. And like I said, <laughs> they were just outsailored. But yet... The United States, as we find ourselves, even in today's unbelievable, controversial, political, ludicrous war with the media, the biggest enemy of this country, the biggest enemy of this country, period, period, full stop. The media is horrible. We still came through, per usual, and won, and good. And by the way, nobody was more ruthless than the Japanese when they captured, they, cyanide pills were an actual thing, especially if you were an officer getting killed um, or getting, basically getting captured as a POW. We'll talk about that another day. Over 40%, 40% of our guys died in their prison camps as opposed to the 2% in German prison camps from starvation, torture, and execution. Particularly what the Japanese like to do was genital mutilation they were the worst. You would kill yourself if you were an officer because you did not want to get tortured and get your penis cut off and shoved up your mouth. They didn't do that. Yes, they did. And there's record of their barbar- barbaric tactics. You think waterboarding is bad? Guantanamo Bay is a five-star resort compared to that. So I don't feel bad for any of it. You want to take over the world? 
Well, guess what? In the words of Daniel Vineyard from American History X, you just fucked with the wrong bull. Sorry. You don't like it? Again, plenty of podcasts out there. So, You sound like you are advocating war. No, I just sound like I'm glad we won because they, they were in the wrong and we were in the right. Plus, God likes us for some reason. I don't know why. Well, not anymore. <laughs> That's great, Danny Belts. What's that have to do with anything? I'm glad you asked. Because much like the Super Bowl and much like the United States, Tampa has no business being in this game and no business beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Yet they might. Yet they might. You don't really see many teams get into the Super Bowl that have the propensity to get blown out. Yet the Saints have blown out Tampa twice before Tampa played them. We'll get into that shortly. Actually, we'll get into it now. Particularly the one in Tampa where the Saints won 38-3, where Bruce Arians cucked and kicked a field goal late to break up the shutout. The Saints could have hung 60 on Tampa, but Sean Payton likes to show mercy these days. I believe Tampa was held to under 10, yard, under 10 yards rushing. It was an absolute massacre. You cannot blow out Kansas City. These teams are on different wavelengths. Yes, they played early this year. Yes, the Bucks only lost by three. The game was over in the first quarter. Tampa scored four. Uh, the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill scored four touchdowns before halftime almost. This game was a blowout. And in typical Bucks fashion, they have style points and they cuck. It was a blowout. They're not that good. They're just not. Yet they might win. Kansas City is superior to Tampa Bay in every single aspect, minus the linebacking core. We'll get into that briefly and shortly. In every single thing, special teams, the quarterback differential is the difference between the Mars and Moon. Okay, it's just, they're not even close. Mahomes is 10 times better than Brady. Don't act like Tom Brady's that good. He just threw three interceptions in one half and tried to lose that game. But Green Bay, congratulations, they tried harder. And they were successful. Tom Brady makes a great play before the first half, and everybody thinks he still has it. He played disastrous in most of these playoffs. Yeah, he's got some home run hitters. That's great. I'm not telling you who's going to win. I don't care. I have the prop bet of the world coming up. That's what I'll be betting on. I already have. But the point is, much like we versus the Japanese and that water with the cruisers, destroyers, all of these things, we were outmanned, still found a way to win. Tampa, I have a distinct feeling we'll figure something out. As well. Almost seems like destiny, right? Oh, they're playing in Tampa. Ah. Tom Brady in his 10th Super Bowl. What does that even mean? It's ridiculous. Well, Belch, you've already dropped the F-bomb. I know. Well, I quoted somebody in a very controversial movie, but that's okay. Probably shouldn't have done that, but I did. Plenty of bartenders, two weeks with that. This game right now is probably going to be one of the most watched Super Bowls of all times which leads up to the prop bet. But I just feel the only advantage that you see here is Tampa's ludicrous linebacking core, particularly Devin White from LSU. Go Tigers, who just is just a, was a lock to be the next Brian Erlacher, the next Singletary. He is like the Holy Spirit. He is everywhere, all the time. Pass coverage, run stop. He can get off the edge. He's unblockable. Tipping passes, interceptions, forcing fumbles. But in order to do that, see, you're going to have to do what Tampa was successful in Green Bay both times, and that's blitz. And here's the problem with that. Unlike other teams that say that they make you pay after a blitz, the Chiefs average 30 yards a play when you blitz, blitz and miss. And that's counting three people. So that means you're sending seven. They flashed that stat recently. I, I, mean, I, the, I mean, it was from what's his name? Oh, God, what's his name? 
he's very, uh, not, uh, well, I just had it written down, but I don't, but whatever. 30 yards. So when you miss, you pay. Mahomes makes you pay. When the Saints blitz first him, we paid. We blitz twice on third and forever. As the drunk neighbor says, third and Chavis missed. And then all of a sudden, Kelsey or Hill is running down the sidelines and it's a disaster. The order to stop this team, you have to do what the Saints did when they played him. Mahomes had a very rough game. He was hit and sacked more than he's ever been in one game. The Saints dropped safeties 25 and 30 yards off the ball, made him go underneath and run it. That's how you slow this team down. But if Tampa's going to get all, oh, and we don't to be pushed around, you will get thrown around. So I really don't know how you take Tampa here, but I guess the United States found a way to win, and these assholes can too. And that's just the bottom line. There's no way to get around it. Gun to my head, I'm still taking the Chiefs to win the game outright. I don't know. We will see. But let's get into my pick, White Bitch of the Week. Then we'll go to L.A. I don't know. We'll go Bro Exotic, L.A. Burns, Tommy Bench, then wrap it up. There are so many amazing ways you can lose your money on Super Bowl Sunday. I remember when I was going to bet a safety in the Colts, excuse me, when the Broncos played Seattle. 25 to 1, I was drunk, would have put $200 on it. And my idiot brothers talked me out of it. And I thought right before kickoff, you know, thanks, you just saved me $200. Unfortunately, the first play of the game, as you remember, they snapped it over Manning's head. He dove on it in the end zone. And the first play of the game was indeed a safety. So I'll invoice you both. You can owe me. So many prop bets out there, like I said. I don't really get into these prop bets too much. I don't really get into the Super Bowl. I have better ways to lose my money. But I will tell you this. There is one prop bet that we are just not getting away from. Let's just dive right into the deep end. Let's dive right into the gene pool. Last year, 102.5 million people allegedly watched the Super Bowl. It is very difficult, very difficult to gauge in the Super Bowl how many eyes are actually watching and what the viewership is. They have some equation slash algorithm to kind of do that, but with restaurants, bars, and house parties, they can still only really track it by how many televisions are on. We don't have retinal technology yet, although I say that Big Brother probably knows how many people. I don't know, but I know one thing. The advertising company, the companies that pay out the ass to to pay for advertising, they don't want to be lied to. So I do know this. They do bump it up a little bit for inflation, but not nearly enough. They have no idea how many people are watching the most bet on and watched event annually in this country. Well, guess what? The line came out at 105.5 million. Only 3 million more than last year, which sounds about right. They pick up 2 to 3, sometimes 4 million a year. The NFL got kind of woke this year, particularly with the Saints Black supremacist safety, Malcolm X Jenkins. No one watched any games in September. Ratings have since rebounded. You can clearly see that from the Neeson ratings in the NFC and ASC championship with another spike in COVID and people being at home. This is my point. With all these people being at home and bars and restaurants in predominantly urban areas being shut down and people being worried about COVID for house parties, there will be way less people gathering, more people isolating with maybe their neighbors or family, which means way more televisions are going to be on. They missed this one. I could be the reason why the NFL has enough. If this gets out to the public, this amazing insider information, this makes GameStop and AMC look like chicken shit because I'll tell you what, this could happen. This could make the players have larger salaries to barter for. This could make advertising go through the roof 
Which would mean players would want more. This is not going to happen. I'm just being ridiculous because Bro Exotic's about to come on, so I may as well end the onion ring. But I will tell you this right now. Theirs is going over 105 million. There will be way more television sets on, period. And I know people are pissed about the NFL being woke, but there's just nothing you do now and you're not going to be out at a bar. I know the counter-argument. What about the people that don't watch the Super Bowl and casually just watch it because they're at a party? They'll just get drunk at their house and watch it because they don't want to watch CSI or Law & Order. It's that simple. Take the over at 105 million. It's going over 150 million. Hell, it might go over 17 billion. I don't even know. Especially if they air it in China. But I'm taking it over 105 million. Lock it up, take it to the bank. You ever heard of Jesse Sharkey? Probably not. Well, he's white bitch of the week. And he sits on top as president of the board for all the public schools in Chicago. We're going to get into this next week. But you have got to be shitting me. Go look at what those teachers are demanding in that quote-unquote bill or submission they gave to the city of Chicago and what they will do to the Chicago taxpayer. Nothing in there betters education. Nothing. There's nothing about education. It's all about more, 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 more money, more control, less work, more vacation. Are you serious? As these teachers get to sit at home and collect full pay, they talk about socioeconomic reform, economic reform. Let's talk about that. You know what? Let's talk about, let's talk about what they really want to do. Well, let's not even do that. Let's do that next week. Let's just talk about this. They, they preach equality, equality, equality. All you're doing is creating a massive and bigger gap in inequality because what is happening is – and I have, a t, I have a friend that's in the public – we'll get into that next week. I'm sorry. What is happening – I don't want to give it too much away – all you're doing is creating a larger divide because now the kids that don't have internet or computers, and guess what? Not everyone does, particularly low-income households. They can't be in on these Zoom calls. Not that the Zoom calls are helping anyway, but the other kids, in the words of Joe Biden, remember? Well, the, the, the white kids are just as – the, the poor kids are just as smart and bright as the white kids. That was one of the greatest quotes of all times, but the most racist thing I've ever heard nearly. But, well, let's just sweep that under the rug. Who cares, Right? The problem is all you're doing is creating a larger divide in the socioeconomic platform and in which what they want to do, what they're trying to do right now is, is stop what they're actually creating. And the leader of this is Jesse Sharkey. And he is a cuck, an absolute massive racist because this is what really creates the divide. They're trying to do this and they're successfully getting away with it. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely criminal. And he is absolutely White bitch of the week, and we'll be getting to that next week anyway. Where's Bro Exotic? Bro Exotic jumping on the podcast third week in a row. He is having such an impact on Instagram right now. Unbelievable. What's up, bro? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, bro Exotic, uh, founder of uh, Me Too, Mu Epsilon, Theta Omega Omega. Uh, no joke, stay woke, bro. Sick. So, uh, so much going on right now, man. I mean, what were we going to start off with? I thought, I mean, we're, there's so many things to talk about. I think we're going to start off with this thing called Woken Token. So, yeah. And how you kind of faded the Bitcoin market on something called Woken Token. Totally, totally <laughs> faded it. Yeah, man. So, I was uh, trying to invest, uh, just, uh, you know, fishing around on the uh, Birkenstock market. 
and uh, came across this cryptocurrency called Woken Token. Well, it's right up my alley, you know. And I found out that it's actually direct competition and yields generally around the same uh, return value as Dogecoin. So it's a pretty big deal. Dogecoin, isn't that what all the idiots going to put money into or something? I, I don't remember. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, never mind. Oh, did you invest in that or you just invest in Woken Token? Uh, Woken Token, yeah. I bought about a billion shares for a dollar, but it's going to grow over time. Just a matter, matter of opportunity. Nice. Nice, nice. And you guys know so much about opportunity. <laughs> uh, let's talk real quick about uh, LeBron. Is that what we're getting into now? Because I know yeah. you had a take on him. Yeah, bro. Uh, he, uh, he did something the other day that totally wasn't cool. Um, he was in a Petco. And uh, a blind woman with her dog bumped into him, and I guess there wasn't a ref there to call a foul, so he like threw a hissy fit and had her kicked out of the Petco. And I think it's a real big violation of his black NBA privilege. I think he really needs to get that checked. I was actually uh, – the Instagram page said that it was because she brought up China. Um, but either way, we can agree that a blind woman was kicked out because of LeBron's request out of a woke pet cow. Absolutely. And her dog was white too. So if she was like carrying around a chocolate lab, I think that it would have been uh, neutralized right there. Uh, so again, just asserting his black NBA privilege, not cool, bro. He needs to really check to, his athletic privilege. When it comes to dog sexuality, LeBron called the dog a white bitch. How do we not know the dog was a white male? Uh, well, These are how do we that know we... that the dog didn't identify as a pansexual Siamese cat? I mean, we didn't know. We can't speak dog, but we can't presuppose what we don't know, and he needs to check that too. Unbe- Unbelievable. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, lastly, I believe, what was the last thing we wanted to talk about in the docket? It was... Uh, um, hardly ever give my uh, Super Bowl prop bets, but I do have... My- oh, yes, yes. You're not much of a gambler, but you did have a some sort of a woken wager? I don't know. Just go ahead. Let's hear it. Well, I mean, I do have a, an initial problem uh, with both teams playing, you know, one being the Chiefs, which is a cultural appropriation to Native Americans who are marginalized, yet an important cultural ingredient to our plant-based chicken noodle soup melting pots out of America. And also the Buccaneers, who are white, privileged, cisgender savages who ate ethnic indifference for breakfast and rape for dinner. But just counting all that, I'm betting that the MVP will first <laughs> thank... Charles Goodyear, who invented vulcanized rubber in 1884, thus taking away our uh, need to make football out of pig and tuck. Are you saying he will do that instead of thanking Jesus Christ? Uh, I'm pretty sure Charles Goodyear is more important in this situation, bro. Wow. Okay. So you're saying that he will be thanked over our Lord and Savior. What are the odds on that? Uh, that is currently 500000 to one, and I put all of my stock in Woken Token on it, so we'll see if I get a good investment here, good, good uh, return. All of your Birkenstock on Woken Token is on that insanity you just said. Uh, that's, uh, that's right, bro. That should pay the national debt, and if that hits, I want you to send us at least 10%. You can tie to the church of the sports antelope. Is that cool, bro? Uh, sounds good to me, bro. Uh, well, I mean, it's never not interesting when you're on here, bro, Exotic. Be sure and follow. Uh, tell them all your uh, handle on Instagram. Absolutely. How to spell uh, it and where to find. Follow it. me on Instagram at bro exotic. That's b r e a u x exotic. And uh, no jokes, stay what, bro. Well, flawless execution. We'll see you next week. All right, bro. Take care, bro. They should make a movie called National Treasure Three, and this time have it featuring or starring Bro Exotic. You just can't get any better than that.
All right, let's get on to our boy L.A. Burns. It's been a while. Let's get some Super Bowl insight. And speaking of insight, well, I'll let him tell you about that. L.A. Burns, thanks for jumping back on the Sports Antelope. Now you've uh, been away for a bit. We've just had some bad timing, but there wasn't much college football really going on anyway. Big game coming up this Sunday, man, but uh, how you been? Pretty good, pretty good. Just uh, trying to get everything rolling towards next year. Um, you know, trying to get some new subscribers, get my website up for the business, uh, all that jazz. So uh, it's been good. Good. Well, when you have that up, we'll have you back on. Um, in the interval between when you start to do all the writing and research for college football, usually, I think you said when Phil Steele comes out with that Bible that he does every year, um, we'll certainly have you back on during that. But I'm sure there'll be some times we'll have you on before that, just so you don't, you know, we don't want to go three months or something like that. But uh, yeah, and any subscribers we can drive your way, um, I will definitely do so. So if you had a, a gun to your head <laughs> and you had to pick a side in this game, I'm leaning towards you'd say Tampa, but you probably wouldn't be too confident. But what's your take on this game and some of the key injuries? Yeah, you know, uh, that's going to head, I guess, would be the key phrase. You know, we talked about discipline and, and that sort of thing a lot in the weeks over the college football season. And, you know, a lot of people obviously have a strong desire to bet this game. It's the only game in town. It's the culmination of, of, of the season. Um, you know, my first bit of advice would be to look at this game and ask yourself if it were on a regular week, is it a game you'd be interested in? You know, that's the good thing about having a 16 game card is you can find an angle in one of the games and try to make an investment. And personally, that's why I've chosen to concentrate most of my efforts on college because we have 60 opportunities a week to find an angle or a couple of angles and to, to mine out some information that's going to help us make some money. But anyway, as far as this game's concerned, you know, I probably would lean to Tampa. You know, another thing we talked about is how I generally am going to side with the dog. If, if, if I don't have any other feelings pushing me the other way Uh, in this case, we're only getting three points. So it's not like, you know, that's a lot, but really what it, what it boils down to from the start is, you know, we have, Patrick Mahomes, who's the golden boy of the NFL and who's, you know, the Chiefs who have been on top now for two or more years, really. I don't I know. I know they won the Super Bowl last year. I don't remember exactly where they wound up the year before that. I think you and I had talked about it at some yeah. point. Like you mentioned they lost in the AFC championship game to the Patriots, Patriots that year. So they've. Yep. They've been front page news for a while, and, and Mahomes certainly has been, you know, the the guy that the main guy of the yeah, NFL. He, so people are going to be betting Mahomes. I, I it opened up at three and a half. It looks like a lot of the sharp money pushed it to three, and then I think people were on the under. Opened up fifty seven and a half. It's down to fifty six, fifty six and a half at some places, and the juice varies. But I can tell you now what the house is going to want. If the game kicked in an hour, the house would want the Chiefs to win but not cover. It seems like there's a lot of Tampa money line and a lot of Kansas City minus three. So in the instance it could come 27-28, I know they'd really rake in right there. Um, I don't think they want – I think you're going to have just a lot of late tickets on Kansas City too, just from what you said. People are going to get drunk and realize it's the only game on town. We're going to bet Mahomes, and that's we're going to ruin our Monday when we wake up broke. 
It's just how that goes. Yeah, no, I think you see that in a lot of games, what, no matter the sport, really, especially football, though, when you have a field goal line, you're going to have a lot of people who are going to jump on that money line if they want to take the dog. You're obviously going to have people who are going to lay the three points if they take the favorite. So I think you, a lot of times you the books are going to like for that situation to end with the favorite winning by less than a field goal. Uh, so I don't think that'll be any different here, especially it being the Super Bowl and people, you know, wanting to get that one last bet in, you know, feeling like they might have a little bit of a bonus if they can jump on the dog on the money line and get a nice payout or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, just taking a look a little bit further inside the game, I talked about, you know, trying to be on the contrarian side more often than not. And in this case, it feels like Tampa is going to be the contrarian side, mainly mm-hmm. because of Mahomes and Hill and, everything they've done over the past couple of years. But in watching the NFC Championship game, I really liked what I was seeing from the front seven on Tampa's defense. You know, Devin White was out for a couple of games for them, but he's come back and been just an animal. Uh, I think he had (laughs) 15 tackles, nine solo tackles in the last game. Uh, The defensive line's getting some push from the outside. Shaq Barrett had – three sacks, and uh, I think Jason Pierre-Paul had two sacks in that game. And it just looked like from the beginning of that game that Rodgers was – he was paying a lot, of, a lot of attention to the front seven, let's put it that way. And he wasn't just letting it rip like he had been in the lead-up to that game. Yeah, uh, and that was – you know, that was despite uh, Tampa Bay missing – a couple of starting safeties. Well, they're missing one starting safety and then another one got injured in the game. So, um, you know, we talked about injuries in the lead up and it, and it looks like Tampa's getting healthier. I saw that uh, Winfield Jr. Who's the rookie safety who had a really strong season said in an interview that he's definitely going to play. They had like a walkthrough practice uh, yesterday and, and all the guys participated. Jordan Whitehead, who's the other safety, who's questionable, and Antonio Brown. Uh, they all participated in the walkthrough and apparently they all practiced today. But Whitehead was in a non-contact jersey and uh, Brown didn't do a lot, but said he's trending in the right direction. So they're looking pretty healthy. Um, I know, know the Kansas, Kansas City on, on the other end, I mean – they're missing that left tackle. His name escapes me. I think somebody else on the line. That's a pretty significant injury. He's a pro bowler. He's an all yeah, pro. Yeah, no, definitely. Eric Fisher, I mean, he was a first-round draft choice uh, at left tackle, and he's been a mainstay on the offensive line. Uh, the, the Chiefs actually the, – the funny thing is is that they are relatively healthy. They're, they they have all their guys. I think Sammy Watkins, the wideout, was a little bit banged up, but he's coming back. Uh, Edwards Lair has come back in recent weeks. But, yeah, they, they are going to be missing Eric Fisher. And their other uh, starting tackle was hurt earlier in the year, Mitchell Schwartz. So they've been playing a little bit of musical chairs on the offensive line for a little while now. I think Schwartz was hurt in week 10. And they actually lost a couple of starting guards uh, earlier in the season, too. So it's been impressive what they've been able to do, playing mix and match on the offensive line. But – uh, at the same time, you, you have to wonder when that's going to catch up with them a little bit. It didn't necessarily catch up with them against the Bills, obviously, but, um, you know, the Bills' defense really wasn't 
that good, especially against the run. So they got a little bit of movement with the run game. If Kansas City starts running on you, you're in trouble. Oh, yeah. uh, because that's going to open up the pass game from Mahomes. So, you know, like I said, I liked what I saw out of that front seven. Um, Levante David, the other star linebacker for Tampa, was a little bit banged up, but it looks like he's going to play as well. So, like I said, it looks like they're kind of trending in the right direction. But you never know. I mean, it's only Wednesday. There's going to be a lot more news on on that end uh, for the Bucks as the week rolls on. So I would say if you're interested in the Bucks, or no matter who you're interested in, you're going to want to keep up with those injury situations um, for Tampa in the lead up to the game. Oh, absolutely. I also don't think I don't think the line's going to change. I can't really see it going back up to three and a half, or certainly not crossing under a field goal to two and a half because that would provoke everybody to go take the Chiefs now if you can win with a field goal. We'll be, right. Well, yeah. I would like to see if it, if it if it happens to chick down a two and a half, that would probably be enough for me to dive in on the dog because that would mean something serious happens yep. uh, to play against all the, you know, what we assume is going to be some public money on the Chiefs. So a move like that would be telling, in my opinion. But um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think we'll we'll stay at three. I think anytime we see a little bit of a push up. You know, I think right now, last I looked, it was minus three, minus 120 at most out. So you're getting Tampa plus three at even money or something to that effect. So, um, you know, I don't know why you play the money line if you can get plus three at no juice. That's that three points. You couldn't you couldn't buy those three points for 50 cents. No. Uh, so uh, I don't think people think uh, think like that. I think they just automatically would take the money line. But, yeah, you should certainly take the points in this. Unless you're going to get on some alternate line and take the bucks, I don't know, minus six for plus 200 or something stupid. I don't know. And then there's a myriad of prop bets you can lose all your money on, as we all know. Um, but yeah, it should be an interesting game, man. Well, look, we got to run. I actually have a three o'clock. I got a call coming up here. But uh, thanks for jumping on the pod. Look, we're, we're going to have you back on um, that easily before college football starts to crank up. And we'll figure out a way to have you on, if not once every other week, at least once a month until we are back uh, in full swing. Yeah, definitely. We'll get we'll, we'll get it on. And, uh, you know, I'd l- love to let everybody know what's going on as I progress with uh, some of the infrastructure for my business. I don't know that we ever mentioned the name. The business is called Sharp Insight Consulting, um, kind of working on logos, like I said, and websites and some marketing stuff. So uh, I'd love to hop back on at some point when, when some of that stuff starts to become in place uh, in case anybody wants to go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you on, and I'm sure we can figure out some other ways to have you on as well. But thanks for jumping on the pod, man, and we'll uh, have you back on soon enough. All right, Belts. Good luck. All right, Burns. Always good to have L.A. Burns on the show. I need to figure out a way to get him on more frequently in between all this college football gap we're going to have here. We might not even have football. Who knows? I mean, at this point, they want you to wear two masks. It's kind of like wearing two condoms, though, right? I don't think that's how it works. Let me tell you who knows how it works. Look at that transition. Just right in there, baby. Segway. Ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Bench. Tommy Bench joining the Sports Antidote. What's up, pal? Not much. Living the dream here. How about you, Danny Belts? Not so much, but that's okay because we're going to live the dream right now. We have three amazing topics to cover, one of which the gift that keeps giving AOC, but let's not, let's not get into the entree without getting past the appetizer. And speaking of which, we'll be talking about the carnivore diet, which we are doing right now. It's pretty weird. But before we get into that, let's get back to the amuse-bouche, as they say. How about a quick COVID update? 
And right now, I'll tell you, uh, hospitalizations in Louisiana are down almost 50%, but they can't stop reporting about some 96-year-old lady with type 2 diabetes dying, and it's COVID, and the whole thing is just still a disaster down here, fact. <clears throat> so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we try not to be the, you know, COVID news network where all we talk about is COVID nonstop, regardless of who's in office or not. So, again, we're not going to hit this every week, but we did say a few weeks ago, hey, it looked like things were kind of cresting and maybe turning the corner, but it's going to take a couple more weeks to know. Well, a couple more weeks has pa- have passed, and we know. The data is in. Uh, it, is, it is not in dispute at all anymore. We have now going on 20 straight days, excuse me, 23 straight days where the seven-day average of new cases has been declining. That's, that's not like an anomaly. That's not, you know, well, maybe that's a trend. Cases are going down. Cases are going down. Now, what support, what else supports that? What other data points supports that? Positivity rate, the cumulative positivity rate. So that's simply taking all the tests that have been performed, or excuse me, taking all the positive tests and dividing it by all the tests that have been performed. It hit a peak on January 27th, and even it was slowly rising to that peak, hit a peak, and it's been leveling off, and now it's even starting to decline. So the positivity rate, the overall case numbers, they're going down. And the, the biggest thing, probably the most concrete thing, is the hospitalization number. From the standpoint, look, it's possible to be a false positive on a test or a false negative. By and large, if they put somebody in the hospital, now, yes, I, I know I can hear some people saying, well, yeah, but there's the monetary incentive to put, to, you know, classify things as COVID. And I get that. Even taking that into account, I think hospitalizations are, are a little more concrete from the standpoint. There's also an incentive to not overpopulate your hospital with COVID patients because then you won't have bed space for other things that are going to come up. So hospitalizations. Again, we, we hit a peak in hospitalizations on January, all the way back January 6th, ironically, January 6th, the day that'll live in infamy from what we're told. And since then, it's been on the decline. And, and in the last couple of uh, seven to 10 days, it's declined rather rapidly. We're now down to 91,440 people hospitalized throughout the United States. And that also includes uh, various territories. Now, the, the one number that's a, a little... I don't want to say suspicious, but just a little odd is the death number. It's still very high, even when you take a seven day rolling average. Um, now, there was a big dip around the holidays. So I, I, it's hard to know if some of those deaths maybe just didn't get reported and we're still dealing with some data backlog. You know, maybe there were a lot of deaths that occurred around the holiday period and, you know, the county coroner was uh, was on vacation and he's getting caught up. He or she is getting caught up on work. So, so the deaths don't seem to be falling as they should, given that deaths, the, the death trend line tends to lag the case trend line by about two to three weeks. I would expect over the next two to three weeks, we will see the death numbers come down dramatically. They've they've come off of a peak, but they've not seen the same dramatic drop. So, so, What's all this to say? I think, as we predicted, probably two months ago now was the first time we kind of targeted this out, that in mid to late January, you would see a confluence of things come together. One, um, the vaccine is starting to get out there. The, the last 
update. Uh, Bloomberg News actually has a very thorough vaccine distribution uh, graphics and, and tracker. Almost 35 million doses have well, been. Well, I bet they do. I, uh, they do. They do. And, and so according to their tracker, about 35 million doses have been distributed. The overwhelming majority of those are just people who've received their first dose, a relatively small percent are people who've received the first course. However, there's pretty good evidence to show that in that interim, you, you're, you're okay. In fact, early on during the vaccine distribution debates, there were people making the point saying, well, look, why don't we just give as many first doses as we can and, and not hold the second dose in reserve? That's why there's such a disparity between distributed doses and administered doses. Basically, when a clinic gets 10 doses, they give out five and then they hold five in reserve for those five people to come back. We're not going to dig into that. There's, there's people who say that's not the best way to handle it, but whatever. So, I mean, you think about it. Let's, let's say it's 32 or 33 million people plus the 26 million or so people who've already had it. You know, you're, you're starting to close in on a number reaching 60 million people who have some measure or expectation of immunity. You pile on top of that the fact that we know for sure we're not capturing 100% of all cases. Now, the question is, are we capturing one out of four, one out of five, one out of six, one out of three? It's hard to know. So here's another data point we're going to throw out here, and then we're going to wrap this up. The CDC's latest serology estimate is that on November 15th, approximately 47 million people had had COVID. At that time, based on the testing numbers, there were 11 million confirmed cases. So basically, the number of cases that were out there was 4.3 times greater than the number who had popped positive on some sort of definitive test. So if, if you do that math, you know, the 4.3 plus you add in, you know, you multiply the existing number of cases by 4.3 plus you add in the vaccine, you account for some overlap because there are some people getting the vaccine who are going to get, who've already been infected. We're approaching you know, we're starting to approach numbers in the mid to high 40s in terms of percent of the population who's not going to be, who's likely to not get reinfected. So I think we're going to reach, here's my statement. I think we're going to reach herd immunity a lot sooner than people think. I, I think in March, I mean, we're already seeing the cases come down. Now, the interesting thing is as cases come down, that means it's not spreading as fast. That means it'll linger for longer. Um, so it, it could take a while before we see cases really get down to, you know, fewer than 10,000 a day throughout the country. But I really think we're going to start seeing that declaration of herd immunity sometime in the early to mid March timeframe, uh, where, you know, the, the question will start being asked already. There are some newspapers that are starting to ask if herd immunity has been reached in North Dakota. Again, I remember bringing this up about a month ago saying, look, their numbers have really crested rapidly. You know, they have a infection rate of 12.8 per 100 people in that state. And interestingly, those rubes, those hicks, those rednecks, those Trump supporters up there are the third most efficient state in vaccine distribution, uh, according to the Bloomberg tracker. So you pile those two things on top of each other, plus a number of people who either didn't get tested or, you know, had an asymptomatic case. It's not unreasonable to think, look, maybe North Dakota as a state is more like 60, 70, 80 percent of people who have been exposed, have gotten or have gotten the vaccine. So time will tell. We'll see how that shakes out. Time will tell. I do want to talk about the vaccine real quick. Uh, I was reading in the onion ring, um, our 
Weekly Magazine here. It looks like that the AstraZeneca company, uh, one of the big, you know, big pharma, um, right. they have actually used some of Joe Exotic's semen into the vaccine. There's no way that's 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 true, right? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm looking at this. I can understand why they would do that, distribute that out. <laughs> I would say that I would go the opposite. I would say that I think there's no way that could be false. I mean, how how in the world I mean, could that be false? That sounds. I don't know how the Tiger Kings, even though he is, oh, so many things that we are not. The Tiger Kings, I, I feel that AstraZeneca is really tapped into the right market. No pun intended. They, uh, they, let's they move really on. Have. All right. So if that's the case, then I'll drop another five hundred shares on AstraZeneca. What do we have next on the docket here? Because we're AOC, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez. Democrat, occasional cortex. Occasional cortex. D twitch. Um, for those who don't know, she went on a, a ninety-minute screed on Instagram about how her life was in danger, her experience during the Capitol riot. She brought up her experience being a sexual assault survivor. It's just it's almost too much to process. So let's let's handle two things. One article came out on yes, a conservative blog post called Red State. And said she was not even in the Capitol building. And I'll summarize the guy's point. Now, we, we may remember back on January 7th, uh, when our episode came out and we talked about this, the point was made by me, as um, Joe Pesci said in, in my cousin's video. No, that's what I said. Is that what you said? Um, that, is that what you said? Is that, is that what you said? No, that's what I said. Uh, okay, but, but the, the point was made by me that. Congress, a lot of congressmen and representatives, you know, representatives and senators have offices in other buildings. Uh, the, the, the place that they office is not necessarily the Capitol building. Turns out her office is in one of those other buildings. So either w- when she says I was in my office and, you know, fearing for my life and then a Capitol police officer came in and we weren't sure if we could trust him because he's a, he could be a white supremacist. I mean, what a great look. What a great while, while, by the way, the same oh, she's also, the next she's day also talking. I mean, she's also talking about tunnels and she's so if you go, look I, at, and, she makes it seem like this is like the labyrinth and the minotaurs down there. And there's, you know, like a rat nest. We interesting. Interestingly, I have actually been in the tunnel she's referring to. There is a tunnel that connects the capital. Sure there's a tunnel, but it's not a network of interstates down there that right. is underneath it, the earth. It, it is not where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live with Splinter and interconnect the entire city. Right. There is a particular tunnel that actually has these, it's almost like a roller coaster car. And it's on these, tra- I mean, it's like only something in Washington. It must be the most inefficient thing. They haven't upgraded, but it's, you know, it's the nostalgia of Washington. I'm sure it cost a fortune because I guarantee the company that manufactured that thing 70 years ago is not in business. So every time a part well, breaks, they have to pay six times. Federal taxes yeah, by yeah. Oh, I'm sure, you know, they have to pay six times the market rate to get something custom made. Anyway, uh, it's this little kind of trolley setup, sort of like roller coaster cars, but it's, it's a flat track. And it runs back and forth between the Capitol building and some of the other buildings in the area and i remember getting to ride on i i forget if we had a, a hookup or something but I, I i've ridden on it i i know what she's talking about it's a long enough ride that if a if a marauding horde made it from one end of the tunnel to the other they win they should win and get control of the government it, it's long enough that if you could keep if they could stay focused that long 
they should win and be given control. It's not like it's 50 feet long and, you know, the lunatic with the, with the horns and body paint is going to make it from one side to the other. They, they would get distracted long before that and they wouldn't even know where they're going. So if it is accurate, if it's accurate that she was in her office, her entire story falls apart. Now, if she was actually in the Capitol building, okay, a little bit different. Look, <laughs> people sorry, were sorry. in can the Capitol. Can I just stop you? Her office. I would, I would love right. to see her office. Let's just start with that right there. <laughs> I mean, I wonder what's uh, in there. I mean, what? I, I, well, first of all, her staff, <laughs> I bet it is the biggest collection of wokeism. Like, I bet she's, I bet she's just got all, all directions covered. I'm sure she has a transgender oh, a, person. A, uh, I'm sure Hugo, like, uh, what's it, Che Guevara thing, probably in there. And um, there's a, probably Chavez there's probably a Carl. There's on on the bookshelf. It's you know Marx, Das Kapital, oh, oh, uh, Piketty yeah. with the money theory. Uh, it's probably just just right down the list. Um, I'm sorry, to and she's and she probably hasn't read up. any of them. She probably hasn't read any of them, but she's no, got she's some like LeBron there. James. She she gets a picture of somebody reading the first page of some stupid book. And then has no idea what happens in the rest. But anyway, I'm sorry. We only have three more minutes. So continue with your thought. I apologize. Well, so I'll wrap this up now. I know this is a very touchy subject. She claims that she's a survivor. of. uh, It is literally touchy. Um, She claims she's the survivor of sexual assault. Okay, fine. I I have no evidence to counter that. Bullshit. I I will. I will. No, no. It's really great, man. He got a photo of it. He's like one meter away. It's really... Anybody? Anybody know? No. Nope. So you're going to leave me hanging on that? I don't get it, man. You I don't know. know. In Top Gun, when Slider says bullshit, and then Anthony Edwards Goose says, no, man, it was really great. I got a picture of it. We talked oh, about he was inverted. Invert. Oh, come on. You're cut. I mean, it took me a minute. You're, I mean, you're you might be around. cut from your own show. You're bouncing all right. around. Okay. I'm sure our listeners followed along, followed along well. But all right, so, so back to the serious point. I have my doubts, and here's why I have my doubts. You're telling me she made it through the entire Me Too movement without bringing that up and, and seizing on that and, and sharing her experience? I, I just find that hard to believe. And what's particularly frustrating about this accusation, no matter whether it comes from a man, a woman, or anyone, it's one of these things that all you got to do is throw the accusation out there because nobody will dare press and say, did this happen in college? Did this happen when you were growing up? Were you a minor at the time? I mean, she's a relatively young person. The statute of limitations might not be expired if she was a minor and it was an adult. Was it a teacher? Was it, is it somebody who's still alive? Should we, should we go press charges? Is there any corroborating evidence? I, I just, the idea of putting yourself in that group of people, right? Uh, you know, a sexual assault survivor. I feel like if you're not really willing to commit and kind of say, here's the circumstances around it or, or, you just, you just want to be given the credence of being in that group. It's disingenuous to other people who genuinely are victims of sexual assault. And I shouldn't say genuinely. That implies I don't believe her. But I guess that's kind of the point we're making is I find it hard to believe oh, because you feel like this is and the kind the of thing she fit, would have brought have up. You must have quit. Um, it, I just feel like it's the kind of thing she couldn't have stayed quiet during the Me Too movement if that was true. And she would have used that to She's go to put someone on blast. It, 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 she'd be the ultimate person to push that. But look, we're pushing the we're pushing the time button here. Let's move it on. We got one minute, man. Carnivore diet. Let's go. All right. So 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 you and I decided to fully douche it up this month. 
Uh, and by Dude. that, I mean, we're, we're doing one of those trendy things, which is, you know, a topic that normally once you participate in it, that's all you can talk about. So like CrossFitters, homosexuals, vegetarians, you know, people like that. Atheists. Want athe- oh, atheists. That's another big one. Like within 30 seconds of meeting them, that's that one of those things has to be thrown into the conversation. So a I brought this up is my is my ultimate enemy, like uh, immediately, because oh. I know you're woke and now right. we have to go to war anyway. But I just want to let you know, yes, those are the four things that right. are the most like out front, like, hey, my name is my name is Brad. I'm a crossfitting atheist vegan. It's like sick. Nice. Right. Yeah, but, we get it, bro. You saw Game Changers on Netflix. You're, you're yeah. awesome. So, okay. so give all us right, why one we, minute why what are we, we doing here. One minute. Good. What, what we're doing. And when I try to, I love to explain this to people. It's like, all I, all I eat is meat. Well, what about vegetables? No. What about olive? No. What? About, no. Like literally meat. It used to have to have a face. At one point in time, it had a face. It made noises. That's all we eat for a month. That's the, that's the plan. Now, why am I, am I doing it? Cause I think this is some like great crusade for health. Eh, we'll see. I am. Interestingly, I do have an appointment to get my blood work done on March 1st and, and, and maybe we'll share those results on Instagram. Uh, for those that, that are going to listen and follow uh, what's going on. It's more, it's more just a test of will. I want to see if I can do it. Can I do it? Can we do it? Can we get through 28 days of eating nothing but meat? You know, you hear about the keto flu that kicks in, uh, you know, things start getting boring. I, I don't know. I, I've heard people talk about it. I figured let's pick the shortest month of the year. We'll give it a shot. Maybe lose a few pounds. Who knows? But uh, that, that, that's what belts and bench are doing. In the month of February. Oh, no alcohol. I know that'd be tough for a lot of our faithful Anadotians. Um, Particularly it tough really for me. Is. Good Lord, it ain't tough for you. Meat and eggs. Meat and eggs. Eggs and meat is with a focus on high-fat meat. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, man. Bacon and brisket. We'll get it done. Anyway, look, we've got to let you go here. Thanks for jumping on for this episode. You're going to like it. We have a good tie-in to Midway. I never tell you what I talked about prior. Midway in comparison to uh, the Bucks versus the Chiefs. So you'll like it. I like it. I like it. Always good to be on the Sports Antidote. Goddamn right it is, man. Because you're a freaking American. We'll talk to you next week, Bench. All right. Out. Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope, episode number 34. I'm your host, Danny Belts, the Midway Super Bowl. Brady, Mahomes, who knows? Bed, bath, and beyond. I don't know if there's time. Thanks to Tommy Bench, Bro Exotic, and L.A. Burns for hopping on the show. It was a great one. Can you still believe Joe Biden actually said that the poor kids are just as bright as the white kids? <laughs> just, you can't make this shit up. Oh, my God. AOC. We'll be getting to her next week, too. What a liar. I mean, we already did, but I haven't taken my shots, and I'm coming and firing. If you don't like it, find another podcast. I don't care. Be sure and tune in next week for episode 35. We're going to have a good one. We're getting into March Madness, more college basketball. Dickie Salvo is going to be returning as he is our resident college basketball expert. Really good against the spread and just a funny guy in general. If you're not following him on Instagram, you should. At Governor Cuomo. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, man. Thanks for tuning in. Keep it real, Anadotians. Dead the street. You're inviting me a titan to a battle. Why? I don't need your respect, cause I got it, made it, made it.